0: Hi everyone and welcome back to the Lovely Travels podcast. I'm your host Emma Lovell and here on the Lovely Travels podcast we talk about everything travel and adventure. Uh, We are actually following my journey to reach every country in UN-recognized country in the world, that's 195 of them. Uh, We are currently in the time of COVID so that's plans a little bit paused but we are still talking about travel here and we're so happy to have you and we are also here talking about uh, mental health and raising awareness for that so it's been really awesome having you all um, for the journey and particularly having my co-host Darius along.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another week of lovely travels.
0: So before we get to the episode, let's. Uh, we were quite excited because we recently got an email from one of our listeners, and we want sure more did. of that. So tell them yeah. how to contact us, Darius.
1: Yeah, uh, if you want to get in touch, of course there is the Lovely Travels Facebook group um, called Lovely Travels. You can write to us there. You can write to us on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can email us info at lovelytravels.com. Um. And I think that's it.
0: No, you can also read about us <laughs> or come to the website and learn what all this is about, uh, read some of the blogs, catch up on some episodes. There's lots, of, lots and lots of content. I think that, that blog's been up there for a very long time. So yeah. plenty, of, plenty of content there. But let's head to today's episode
1: that's right it's a very special one i've been looking forward to this this was one of the first ones we talked about or the one of the first ones you talked about doing yeah um, and it's a it's a very special interview with your very special and very famous cousin bill
0: yeah cousin bill everybody who knows me sort of starts to understand they like you've got a cousin right or your relative my cousin bill lives in america And it's kind of a bit confusing because when I put up pictures of him, um, we're not the same age. (laughs) Um, We have quite a distance. He's he's ninety seven, so he's actually my grandmother's cousin. So we are first cousins twice removed. If you want to do that whole family tree business, yeah. So we are. That's amazing. Yeah, we are distant in relation. Distant in distance but we Mm -hmm. are super close he's one of my besties
1: I remember when you were in America last time actually I don't know if it was the last time actually we we chatted on on video call and he was there as well and I said hello to him and through all the stories I feel like he's my cousin as well I feel like I know him so well he's such a lovely guy
0: I think after this episode, people will. Um, yeah, look, I've probably been to—I'm—I'm I'm losing count. I've probably been to the the US about fifteen times. Um, predominantly, I go to see him. So mm-hmm. I first got to meet him though, uh, way back when I was nine years old. Uh, so the year is—he always tells me the year, but it's always a little bit fuzzy for me. I'm going to say ninety-five. Ninety-five. It was because he came to Australia, and I will never forget him coming up the stairs. He had like a Hugh Hefner style bathrobe. So this white haired man in this dashing robe comes up the stairs and me and my little sister are lying there watching cartoons early in the morning. And she walks up and he says, well, hello, dears. I'm your cousin, Bill. Well, it's nice to meet you. And we were just like, oh, well. whoa. <laughs> and he's like, would you like to see some magic? And we were like, yes um he also gave us a present so he was like we're like tick winner um yeah but he's actually that's the other fun fact he's well that's my fun fact darius he's a magician and has been performing magic for over 75 years so yeah. because he's 97
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> um, it's like he, he 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 was there when magic was invented
0: yeah Magic didn't exist before he was around. <laughs> but he actually learned magic in World War II, which he'll talk to us a little bit about when I interview him. Um, we don't get to go into too much detail. But, yeah, he he learnt in, in Australia during World War Two while he was here in the Navy, which is, like, blows my mind anyway. And, yeah, and then he went on to make it his career. Um, so, yeah, he was always a hit with all the family and friends that we introduced him to. Yeah. And then we went and returned the visit and went to the US When um, in 96. He was living in Palm Springs, California. Wow. And he came up there to, to Los Angeles and we went to Disneyland and Universal Studios and did all of that. So, you know, as a nine-year-old kid, uh, my brother was 11, I was nine, my sister was six. You can imagine that we loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then what was cool is we went to the UK and then we came back and we went to um, stay with him in his, his house in Palm Springs, um, which is, like, kind of known as, um, what do they call it? It's, like.
1: Oh, it lots of old people
0: there. Yeah, lots of like old people. There's a really funny term they have for it, though, and it's, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, like, oh, it's, like. Um, heaven's waiting room, or something like that, right. <laughs> you know, just everybody. I went to visit him, I went with him more recently, and it was just like everybody has white hair except me. Wow.
2: Um,
0: but it's a really beautiful place, too. So, mm. uh, he came back when I was 17, he came to visit Australia again and brought a friend, which is really cool. And then I went when I was about 21, I was living in Mexico and I escaped swine flu because you know, there's always a story, it's <laughs> always a story,
1: but, yeah.
0: <laughs> my brother was actually visiting with my cousin um, and I was fleeing the country and I went into Texas with some friends and I was like, just felt so lonely and I was like, I want to be with my family. I want to be with my brother. Mm. And I was I was hoping to visit my cousin before I left, you know, North America. Uh, so I said, can I come stay with you? And, yeah, actually ended up going and spending quite a lot of time with him and got to know people in that area and, and they've become, like, family to me and um, they've all adopted me as well. So, and he just, like, yeah. he because of his magic personality, excuse the pun, yeah. He people just love him. And what the, my favourite thing about going with him anywhere is that he just lights up a room. People are mm. just drawn to him. And every person I met would pull me aside and tell me how much they meant, like, how much he meant to them. Or like he's a really truly special person or mm. um did you know that he did this for us or whatever and I just got all these beautiful stories and so I actually did something for him um after I had that trip I arranged with two of yeah. his friends we I stole his address book very naughtily and we contacted like as many people as we could that he knew uh by email and phone and and then we gathered up all these stories and um, photos and stuff, and I made him a book.
1: Oh, wow. Well.
0: And he, like, carries this book around now, and, like, that was, like, 11 years ago, so I've really got to make it oh. up um, version 2, 2.0. Yeah. Uh, but he he loves it, he tells people all the time about this his book uh, huh. that was made for him. And Uh-oh. I just wanted him, you oh, know, well. because... At the time, to me, he was quite old, <laughs> and I could probably listen to this. You know, he's not—he's not young. He's had a very rich and long life, and mm. I didn't know how much longer we we're going to have with him. And I just was like, how crappy is it that you wait till somebody passes away before you say all these nice stuff, n- nice things about them? Mm. You know, it, it would be when they're not around or you Know at the funeral or something that you get to hear all these beautiful stories, and it happened with my grandpa. People came up and said all these lovely things. It's like yeah. it'd be so nice to know those stories and for him to hear those stories, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we did. But anyway, we've met up in LA, anyway. we've met up in, um, yeah, we've, uh, but he lives in, in Chicago, near Chicago, so mostly I go there, but. Um, as you can hear, I love him very, very, very much. <laughs> and um, it's, I
1: I'm, I haven't listened yet. I haven't edited yet, but I'm sure it's going to be a very special episode.
0: <laughs> so uh, we will let people listen now.
1: That's right. You may have thought this is the episode talking about. Episode. <laughs> Surprise. It's time for the interview with Kazi Bill.
0: Here it goes. So, here on the podcast today, I have someone very special. I have my first cousin, twice removed, my cousin Bill from the United States of America. Welcome. Well,
2: thank you. Nice to be with you today, (laughs) Cuzzy.
0: Cuzzy, yes. We call each other Cuzzy. I thought I should probably introduce you properly before I started talking about you. So, How are we related? Because you're in the United States of America and I'm in Australia, so that's a bit strange.
2: Well, you see, uh, my mother was from London and my father was from Scotland. And your grandparents are from London area. And so how you got to Australia is your dad and mother we're married in England. They're from England, but they moved to Australia before you were born. So all the kids were born in Australia. So they're Aussie kids of London English heritage.
0: Yeah. So we share common bloodlines, but it's uh yeah. I think people are, are always a bit confused that I have family in the United States when um my rest of my family is in England. So
1: it's a mm. bit different,
0: but um. And are you happy for me to share your age with? Oh, you? yes. yes. <laughs> I'm 30, 39.
2: <laughs> no, I'm 36 around the waist.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a little bit of a fib.
2: I'm 97 plus.
0: 97 plus.
2: Closer so to the 98.
0: Mm-hmm. You're 97 and a half. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's pretty impressive. And you were out playing golf the other day, so that's pretty awesome.
2: I was. huh?
0: And now, so I, you have lived through, you were born in the Great Depression?
2: Well, no, I was born before the Great Depression, but as uh, the, I was born in 1923. The Depression was in 1929. So I was six years old when the Depression came along.
0: So you remember it?
2: No, I don't really remember that much about it. But all I know is that my mother had uh, quite a bit of money in the in the bank, and when when the banks went, uh, the banks all went broke, and everybody lost their money. They didn't. They some got a nickel or a dime on the dollar, but for the most part, she lost everything she had. Yeah. So I grew up breaking leaves and shoveling snow and. This and that. So I know the value of a dollar.
0: Yeah, and then you went off to the the war in World War for World War Two.
2: Right. The World War II started in 1941, and I went in about a year after it started.
0: And so, how old were you then?
2: I was uh, just twenty. Twenty. Just, just turned twenty.
0: Just a kid.
2: Indubitably.
0: (laughs) And that's when your kind of, I guess, your travel began. Had you been outside the U.S. before then?
2: No, I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't traveled hardly at all. But uh, the Navy, days took me to the far parts of the Pacific, uh, Australia. We didn't go to New Zealand, but, of course, we invaded most of the islands, or many of them. Tinian, Saipan, Okinawa, New Guinea, so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool for me being in Papua New Guinea last year doing the trek for Kokoda. And you mm-hmm. had been there, I mean, I guess like 40, oh, 54, no, more than that. 74 years before, 74 years before that. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you, your memory of that is like fresh as a daisy.
2: Oh yes, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I can remember New Guinea so well. It was really the well. We did go to Townsville, Australia, before we went to New Guinea, but Australia was the first foreign port.
0: So you were on the ship till you got to Australia. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a long trip. A, mm-hmm.
2: Thirty days it was.
0: Oh my god! And was your ship comfortable? It was. It was a cargo ship, right?
2: Yes, it was a Liberty ship, the first ship. I was on three different ships, but the first ship was a Liberty ship, just a cargo ship. We hauled everything from airplanes, tanks, guns, toothpaste, soap.
0: All the essentials. (laughs) And you were a gunner.
2: I was a gunner.
0: So, what can you explain what that is?
2: A gunner, uh, ships have many types of guns, uh, small guns, big guns. Um, our smallest gun was a 20-millimeter machine gun, which would be a, a huge gun if you, you couldn't hold it in your hand. And it uh, it's a gun for anti-aircraft, and it would shoot about um, automatic 60, 60 rounds a minute or a second. Wow. And and every third every third bullet would be a tracer bullet that would light up, that you could see the arc where you were shooting. So you didn't waste bullets.
0: Wow. And so, but you didn't, like you weren't in combat very often, were
2: you? Not not a lot. We saw most of the action towards the end of the war it, uh, when we invaded Okinawa. We saw a lot of action there. But most of the war, no, we didn't see a whole lot of action.
0: Where is Okinawa? Sorry? Where is Okinawa?
2: Okinawa is very close to Japan. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the closest island to Japan. And the next thing, we took the islands one by one, for, you know, with uh, uh, Guadalcanal and New Hebrides, the Marshall Islands, and uh, we talk Tinian, Saipan. Uh, Then Okinawa, we were getting close to Japan and the next invasion would have been Japan and they were planning the invasion. But the uh, atom bomb that they didn't know if if it was going to work or not, uh, they were planning the invasion, but the atom bomb did work and then Japan surrendered.
0: And you met the pilot who dropped that bomb.
2: I did. I had lunch with him and showed him some magic. That that was many years after he dropped the bomb. I he dropped the bomb in 1945, August 7th, and I I met him in the year 2000. So it was I met him 30 some years after, he, or 50 years after he dropped the bomb.
0: <laughs> it's kind of a special year then. It's 75 years since the war finished. Huh? 75 years ago.
2: Hmm. Yes. And it's so i'm sure you've read the book have you read the book uh, that Paul Tivis the pilot wrote
0: no you've played a tape oh. for me but
2: oh that's right mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you've got the the photo in your office so oh in your well, bedroom
2: it was a b-29 airplane the latest bomber at that time and the one of the interesting things the crew had been up nearly 40 hours before they even took off on that mission. And that mission was, I think it was, um, let's see, was it six or six or seven hours just to fly from Okinawa to Japan and return and come home. So they were up over almost 60 hours in one stretch before they got any sleep.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. The other, um, very historic, um, that you've shared with me was the Indianapolis ship. Oh, yeah. We've watched Mm -hmm. a film of that together, and you've met some of the people who were on that ship.
2: I did. Um, The um, irony is the ship, we were, the Indianapolis was a cruiser, a United States cruiser, and it was a very fast ship, and it did a lot of battles during World War II in the Pacific, But at one time it got hit going into Okinawa uh, with us. We were in the same convoy, and a kamikaze airplane hit the Indianapolis, which was in April of 1945. And the ship lived back to the United States on just, I think, one engine. And it had a lot of severe damage, but it was repaired. And about eight weeks after it was finished, it was time to take the atom bomb to Tinian Island, where they were going to. Loaded onto the airplane from, they didn't want to fly it over for some reason. They wanted to send it by ship, so they chose the Indianapolis because it was a very fast ship, and I believe it made it in record time—three uh, or four days—to Tinan Island from San Francisco.
0: Wow! And then they—it has a quite a horrible history because then they got hit again, and then a lot of the the people, yeah. but some people oh, survived.
2: For- it offloaded the bomb with no problems. And then it was to go to Leyte or to Manila, Philippine area, uh, to practice for the invasion of Japan, which they had planned. And a Japanese submarine sank it at midnight on the 29th of July, I believe, in 1945. And there were 1,200 men aboard, but they It was uh, sunk in about 12 minutes, and they figured 900 got off of the 1,200. And of the 900, only 317 survived because they were in the water for five days before anybody found them. And sharks, it was shark-infested waters. Many were eaten by the sharks, and many just drowned and so forth. A very sad story, but it was it was way back in 1945.
0: But you actually met quite a few of those guys as well.
2: I did. Uh, the uh, the crew, that the survivors of the Indianapolis, uh, decided to have a reunion every year in Indianapolis. And each year, of course, the group would get smaller and smaller. I got acquainted with them probably 15 years ago because I met a friend who was on the Indianapolis at the time who survived. And so he would take me to the reunions with him, and I would do magic. And uh, so I did meet quite a few of them. Uh, but the last reunion I was to was probably five or six years ago, and my friend has passed on since then. And today I understand there's only eight survivors left.
0: Wow. Yeah, well, I guess mm-hmm. they again in some years now. <laughs> uh, that's, yes. that it's uh, a... It was a very um, interesting but sad story. But you have just mentioned magic a couple of times now. Uh, You have been performing magic for more than 75 years now. Can you tell us how you learned magic or why you learned magic?
2: Well, I was interested in magic as a boy, but uh, I really didn't know much about magic until I got in. In the navy in World War Two, and I happened to end up in the hospital in Sydney, Australia. Maryland's actually outside of Sydney. I was there for three months. I had malaria, and in the hospital, I met a, another sailor who did magic. And he actually was a very famous person—not famous for magic, famous for being one of the great middleweight fighters of the world. And but hobby, his hobby was magic, and we became friends. And he started teaching me and. That's how I started in magic.
0: And then you you got I, kept practicing, and you actually ended up making it into a career.
2: I did. I came home after the war and did a few tricks for my friends. And, and then somebody would see me, and they'd say, gee, we'll give you $5 if you'll come to the church social on Sunday and do that. And so I started out at $5, and now I'm almost up to 10 <laughs> Actually, it's kind of changed. During the Navy, my Navy days, I was in the Navy for three years, nearly three years, and the total amount of money I made in the Navy was less than $1,800. We got $50 a month, but that's after I was a petty officer. And so during that three years, it was less than 1800 for three years' work, and I never thought that one day I would make more doing magic in one day Oh, four hours, and I made and three years in the Navy.
0: <laughs> but you do. your That was at
2: the Indy 500. I worked the VIP suites for many years at the Indy 500, and, of course, you have been in those suites.
0: Yeah, this year would have been your 50th year.
2: No, my 50th year was la- uh, last year.
0: Oh, well, there you go. You got it. That's good. <laughs> um, 51 years, then, and... We actually we bought you a brick at so you're you're forever memorialized at the at the track because it used to be a brick track so you can buy bricks for people.
2: Yeah. uh-huh. And that's right, bricks. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do have that was my first brick from the levels, and then John Regan arranged uh, some secret stuff. going on, he sent out letters to my friends. They all contributed. Now I have five bricks at in the Indianapolis Speedway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think for fifty years of performing there, that's pretty fair. Um, mm. It was wonderful to go there with you, and um, you know whether you're a race car fan or not, the Indy 500 is pretty spectacular to to be at.
2: It is the pageantry is amazing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but you're you are you do like racing, so it's even more exciting <laughs> for you.
2: Mm. So it was a, a double joy for me to be there.
0: Yeah, and you became really good friends with a bunch of the drivers, which I'm sure a lot of people would be very jealous that you get to spend time with them.
2: Yes, uh, back when I first went to Indy and met some of the drivers, so I'd be uh, way back in 19, in the early 70s, there were 33 drivers in the field and I knew every one of them by name and they knew me because I used to entertain for their parties. So, driver's parties, sponsor parties, things like that.
0: It was very fun to go. We got to go into the pits, and I went with my brother James in 2009, and uh, he was, you know, he loves car racing, so he was very excited and uh, loved trying to meet all the drivers again, so that was was good fun.
2: That's right. I remember that very well.
0: That was when I came up from Mexico. I escaped Mexico, and I wanted to – come stay with you you didn't want you didn't want me to come
2: <laughs> well I didn't I didn't think it was a girl's thing so I'd arranged with a friend that you could stay with his daughter while James and I went and I remember yeah I told you that and you said you're not calling me off on anybody's daughter I'm going to Indy with you <laughs> I said okay <laughs> And way we went
0: and then I sweet talked my way all around those suites I made all the friends <laughs>
2: And at the time, of course, there was uh, two or three Australian drivers there. So that was especially fun for you and James. Yeah. Because I know you would be- meet them. Will Power and uh, Ryan. who the-
0: Ryan. Yeah, I can't, can't remember. It was 11 years ago now. Uh, we'll ask uh, James. He'll know. <laughs> but, okay, well, you.
2: Right, Briscoe.
0: That's the one. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me. You've been to a few countries now. Can you remember how many countries you've been to?
2: About 41 or 42. And I guess I can't count those islands in the Pacific, all those islands I went to. I was at many islands. The Marshall Islands, Anna the Gilbert Islands, the Marianas. Does that count?
0: I think like the Marshall Islands counts, but some of the countries are like, um, like like, you know, Saint Thomas and the you know ones nearer to the U.S. Some of them are owned by or uh, you know under another country, so they don't. Yeah, I know it feels like another country, but they don't count. You know, even Hawaii feels like another country, but it's the U.S. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's a bunch of countries I've been to that feel feel like their own country, but they're. ruled by another country so yeah but we'll we'll write your number again and what what was your favorite country you ever went to outside of the u.s
2: uh australia and spain España. <laughs> Barcelona. Australia. Sydney is actually a beautiful city i didn't see a lot of australia but uh city brisbane townsville darwin um couple others we stopped at, can't remember what they are right now. But uh, if you've been to Barcelona, Spain, Barcelona is probably one of my favorite cities.
0: Yeah, it's very exotic.
2: <laughs> I always wanted to go to Rio de Janeiro, but I never got there. But they say that is a very beautiful city also.
0: Well, when we can travel again, you and I could go to Carnival together.
2: Oh, sure. Maybe 15 or 20 years, we'll do that.
0: Okay, we'll make a plan. Sounds good. huh mm-hmm. But you know the coolest thing was one time I was in Sydney on a ferry, uh, going past the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge, and then I I called you on FaceTime, and I showed you the rocks, and it was we were so cool because we were together when I was about nine years old, at the Opera House. I have a photo of us at the Opera House. But you were there at the time when I was showing you that FaceTime. It would have been about seventy years ago. You were in hospital around that, you know. In Sydney.
2: But the rocks, the rocks that are close to the bridge you're speaking of? Yeah. Well, that, that's very close to where our school was on, uh, is it Central?
0: Uh, is it the street? Do you mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. What's well, Central? Hmm. I forget now. <laughs> but the Navy had taken old, an old hotel downtown Sydney over for their personnel and, uh, out, uh, so the Navy had, uh, had the old hotel downtown. And uh, when I went back there to visit you in 95, why I, I went downtown looking for it, but it had been raised and there's a new building in that spot. Yeah. It's not far, not far from the grace building.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was pretty special though. The fact that, and it's pretty amazing right now that you're on FaceTime and we were on FaceTime, and there's this crazy technology where I could see you, and I could show you where I was, and show yeah. you somewhere that was 70 years ago, and very impressive.
2: Right uh, now, I remember that the hotel was the Central Hotel, Grand Central Hotel, and the street—I can't tell you what it is.
0: I'll have to go look it up next time I go down. Uh huh. But I have to run. It's so been so good to talk to you.
2: <laughs> well, nice to talk to you, and uh, I'll be tuning in to see this on television someday.
0: <laughs> I wish it would be on television. For now, we will be on the podcast, and I'm sure I will have you back on again because you're very interesting, and hopefully we could do an episode live together from your home in Illinois.
2: Okay, cousin, we we'll love you, and thank you so much for calling. Enjoyed being with you today.
0: I love you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to this very special conversation with the wonderful Cuzzy Bill. I for one uh, could listen to him talk all day. Let's take Emma up on the offer and um, get some more episodes with Cuzzy Bill. Uh, remember to like, review, and subscribe on all the possible channels Instagram, Lovely Travels, Facebook group, Lovely Travels, uh, info at lovelytravels.com. If you want to send us an email and jump on the show, we um, would love to hear from you and love to have you on. So until next time, bye bye.